Hello, hello, and welcome to The Art of Being You with me, Rachel Wortman. You guys, this podcast is all about learning to be who God created you to be, embracing that person, and ultimately living your best life with Jesus. We've got a lot of great content today, so let's get to it in The Art of Being You. Welcome to the podcast today. I hope you guys are having a fantastic week and things are going well for you and your year is looking up and all the positive vibes because I'm just in a good mood today. And we're talking about something that is pretty interesting and it's something that doesn't really get talked about enough in the kingdom culture or in church really is a better way to say that. And we're talking about envy and jealousy. So if you follow me on social media, um, on Instagram, a couple of months ago, I put out a series on envy and I had quite a few people responding back to me and saying they had never thought about it that way, that it was really thought provoking for them and good. And I thought this would make a great podcast. So we're talking today about breaking up with envy. This is a great time to call one last time. Hey, Envy, we're done and end forever blocked number. We're not going back because listen, I just have to tell you up front and first envy serves you no purpose, but here's what envy is. Envy and jealousy are pretty much the same thing. And we can look and admire something about someone And we can say, you know what? I want to do that in my life. And we go do that. And that's great. We've been inspired by someone else. Envy and jealousy is a little bit different. It's looking at someone else and then having the thought, I could never have that. Or why do you deserve to have good things? Or it's looking at someone else and what God is doing for them and then resenting both them and God for something that has nothing to do with you anyway. Envy is just messy and it's comes from the flesh. So I've been talking a lot lately about the flesh and I want to sort of stop in case you've never heard these terms before and clarify and communicate some definitions. So when I'm talking about the flesh, I'm talking about your sinful nature. I'm talking about the part of you that inherently does not want to follow God. So um, I write about this extensively actually in my book, um, which you can grab on Amazon. And I also um, have a lot of other podcasts that talk about this, but here's the bottom line about your flesh. Your flesh is the part of you that was crucified with Christ. So when Jesus died on the cross, he died as if he was you. He died in your place to pay for your payment of sin. Romans tells us that the wages of sin is death. That means that the price for your sin and disobedience to God's ways, even if it's very small or really big, the price for that is death. Blood has to be shed. In fact, that was the case going back to the Garden of Eden, the very first cost of Adam and Eve's sin by eating the um, the fruit of the tree was that a animal was sacrificed and their skin was used to cover their nakedness. So blood sacrifice is actually, as weird and creepy as it sounds, the way that God set up this system. And he did it all knowing that eventually Jesus would come and his blood would be shed and that would be the last payment. That would be the last sacrifice anybody has to make. And this is huge. It's huge for you and I because we should have been punished to death because of our sin, but we're not because Jesus took that place 
for us. So when he did that and we accept his gift of salvation, when we say, Jesus, you are Lord, I believe you are the son of God and I believe you've paid for my sins. I repent for my sins and I come into your kingdom. You essentially get born again and you become, as the Bible tells us in multiple points in the New Testament, you become a new creation. The old is gone, it says. So what is the old? The old is your flesh. So now your spirit is a new creation. You are a new person. You've been born again. You have a new identity, but you're still in the same old body. And for a lot of us, when you get saved later in life or even in your teenage years, you have a lot of training in your mind that is patterned off of the ways of the world. It is what we call your flesh. Here's the other thing. What we feed into us is what grows. So when we feed ourselves off of thoughts and ideas and um, principles and behavior that is not how God said to live, then we're actually feeding our flesh. So I say that to say, you can be someone who grew up in church, who has followed Jesus for a long time, but you've also been feeding yourself with things that are not from God. Uh, I'm not talking about food here. I'm talking about things that we watch, um, you know, even stuff like pornography, certain TV shows, uh, certain music. There's all kinds of, you know, actions, choosing to disregard God's way of life. All of that feeds the flesh. So you develop these patterns of thinking in your brain that are actually not in line with how God wants you to think. All right, I've digressed way more than I intended to explain that. Hopefully that's helpful for some of you. So when I'm talking about the flesh, I'm talking about this sinful part of you. Now, you, if you are in Jesus, if you have given your life to Jesus, you are no longer a sinner. God does not look at you as a sinner. He actually sees you as um, Jesus. Not that you're like God, but he sees Jesus in you and you are a saint in his eyes. Not like you can do no wrong, but you are justified. Your sin was paid for. You are cleansed in his eyes. Do you go on sinning? Yeah. And you need to confess that. But the bottom line is your identity is now no longer a sinner. It's actually a justified, redeemed person. So this is why when Galatians 5 starts talking about walking in the spirit or walking in the flesh, things get really interesting. So I'm going to just read to you super briefly in a section of Galatians 5. This is chapter 5, verses uh, starting in 17. And this is, actually, I'm going to start in 16, and it says this, but I say, walk habitually. Now, here's that habit word again. This is the Amplified Translation. And uh, if you listen to the podcast from two weeks ago, then you listen to all about how habits affect your life. And here's a great, another biblical example of that. He says, but I say to you, walk habitually in the Holy Spirit, seek him and be responsive to his guidance, and then you will certainly not carry out the desire of the sinful nature, which responds impulsively without regard for God and his precepts. What's a precept? Well, a precept is the ways of God. In other words, it's how God designed the world to work and how he told us to operate in the world. For example, not murdering people, um, you know, those types of things. So uh, the sinful nature, which responds impulsively and without regard for God and his ways. Verse 17, for the sinful nature has its desire, which is opposed to the spirit and the desire of the spirit opposes the sinful nature for these two, the sinful nature and the spirit are in direct opposition to each other, continually in conflict. 
So let's talk about this for a second. This is a huge key for any of you guys that feel like you're wrestling with whether or not to do the right thing in God, or you feel so tempted to do bad things or, you know, things that you know are wrong. Listen, there is a war happening inside of you. Your spirit, the part of you, when you give your life to Jesus that gets born again and redeemed, it doesn't want to do bad things anymore, but your flesh is still interested in the bad things. We've been called as believers to be, quote, led by our spirit. What does that mean? That our spirit makes the decisions and affects our behavior. When we are feeding our flesh and pretending like we're two different people, this is why we have such a war within us. Okay, verse 18. But if you are guided and led by the spirit, you are not subject to the law. Now the practices of the sinful nature are clearly evident. Here's what it looks like. In other words, when you are feeding your flesh, okay, here's the things that come out of your life, sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, total irresponsibility, lack of self-control, idolatry, sorcery, which would be like witchcraft, palm reading, tarot cards, uh, psychic, stuff like that. Hostility, strife, jealousy, hello, fits of anger, disputes, dissensions, factions that promote heresies, and envy is in here too. Drunkenness, riotous behavior, and other things like these. Woo, that is quite a list. We go down, we're going to skip a verse and go down, and he says, but the fruit of the Spirit In other words, the result of his presence within us is love, joy, peace, patience, not the ability to wait, but how we act while we're waiting, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. So here's a good dichotomy for us. In other words, what the Bible is telling us in Galatians 5 is this is what it looks like when you're walking in the spirit, these things come out of you. When you're in tune with the Holy Spirit, when you're choosing to obey God's laws or his ways, excuse me, um, those things come out of you. And when you're feeding your flesh, when you're just ignoring the way that God created you to live and be, then these are the things that come out of you. Did you notice that envy and jealousy are both on that list? Envy and jealousy are both on the list of the actions that come out of us when we are not walking with God. So this poses a struggle for us because what happens when we believe and we are walking with God, but yet we still feel envious? We still feel jealous. Well, this is what we do. We recognize that this is being born. Those emotions, those thoughts, those feelings, they're born out of the part of you that is dead in God's eyes. So he's not going to spend much time trying to redeem your envious self because he already killed it. What does he want you to do? He wants you to kill it too. The grace of God exists to empower you to trust him to put your faith in him so that you can be moving towards his kingdom and the good things God wants to bring into your life. The grace of God does not empower you to constantly be trying to stop being envious. This is a nuanced statement, but here's what it looks like. Whoa, I was just really jealous of that person. I did not like what that felt like, and I am dead to that. I am choosing to not think about that anymore. In other words, we're taking that thought captive. We're cutting it out of our mind. And we are declaring the truth over ourselves. That's not who I am. I am not an envious person. I'm not a jealous person. I am someone who is patient while God is bringing good things into my life. I am someone who walks in peace. Are you guys following me? You tracking with me? Here's why this is important. Envy is not a powerful motivator. 
it really does serve you no purpose. There is nothing good that comes from envy. It's a fruit of the flesh and the and God saw fit that the flesh just needed to be crucified and so it was. So in the kingdom envy doesn't exist. So how do we renew our minds from that? How do we when we've been so entrenched with the social media scroll and just feeling like our life sucks because everybody else's life is so great. Or maybe you've got that one person, you know, I think a lot of us have that one person that provokes the envy more than anybody else. So how do we deal with that? What do we do? Well, here's four questions that you got to ask yourself to help you renew your mind. Okay. Here they are. Number one, when you're feeling jealous about someone, here's the question to ask yourself, what is it about their life that I actually want for myself. Like when you're looking at someone else's life and you're going, that's what I want, or someone else's business, someone else's career, and you're saying, man, I wish I had that, make it specific. What about it is what you want? Is it their hair color? Is it the fact that they have extra money to pay for their skincare? Is it that they are traveling all the time? Like narrow it down, break it apart from the person and be specific about what it is that you actually wish. So then the second question becomes this, why have I not made that happen for myself? What's standing in my way? Could be money, could be time, could be a relationship, okay? But just be able to identify, yeah, I can't have that or I don't have that because either I have chosen not to prioritize that in my life or I am in a relationship that it's not possible, you know, be specific about it, identify it. And when you've done that, then that becomes a topic of conversation with God. Listen, Lord, apparently I'm feeling like I need better friends in my life because I'm looking at this Instagram post and I'm just feeling like, why do I not have good friends? Why do people not like me? So instead of just being jealous, you, you end, you break up with the envy, you end the relationship with jealousy, and then you begin a conversation with God about the thing that you're actually really wanting. So once you've done that, here's two other questions to throw in the mix. Does envy lead me to feeling fulfilled? Does envy really lead me to feeling fulfilled? And another question in that vein would be, is it putting distance between me and that person that I'm feeling jealous of? Sometimes when we're feeling envy and when we're walking in the flesh in that way, we actually put up walls against a relationship that would be beneficial in your life because they have something you don't have And the envy is telling you God doesn't want that for you, which is keeping you from going to his throne to talk to him about it. It's staying in that realm of suspicion that we were talking about in the last couple of episodes. So does it put distance between you and that person? And then the last question is this, what's one thing I can do to better that part of my life? What's one thing I can do to better this part of my life? So maybe it's your relationship. Maybe you're looking at somebody's post and you're going, man, you have such a beautiful marriage and you know, your husband loves you and he does these things for you. And I just wish I had that. So instead of ending it there, just begin to think about what's something I could do. Like what's an action point I can do that I could sew into what I'm looking for in my life. Because the truth of the matter is no one's life is perfect So it makes no sense to just blanket with envy. You got to let it become something that helps you identify what you need. So here's the deal. When you're seeing social media posts, when you're seeing someone else's life and you're looking at what's working well for them, 
the envy and the jealousy is actually blinding you from their humanity. What do I mean by that? That means that you're unable to see the areas where they're hurting, where they're growing, where they are wanting to fix something in their life. And then you actually put a stumbling block between you and that person because maybe you have something that could benefit them in the same way they have something that could benefit you. So just some thoughts for you to ruminate on, to think about as you're processing what it looks like to break up with envy. But I just encourage you, let this be the year where we decide that comparison is stupid because it is. I mean, we're all on a journey with God. And listen, if you've never had anybody tell you this, let me be the first one. God wants you to have an amazing life. John 10, 10, Jesus makes this statement, and this is audacious and bold and huge. And he says this, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but I have come. In other words, I'm literally here before you to do this for you, to give you life and life to the full. When you start doing some digging on that particular verse and you get into the Greek on it and you start looking at context and all of that, here's what Jesus is saying. I came to give you a life better than everyone else's. What? So why would we waste any time being envious or comparing ourselves to someone else? Because what Jesus wants for you is a life that's genuinely better than you even thought was possible. But you're not going to get there with comparison and envy because that's from the flesh. You're going to get there through surrender and trust and coming to the Lord and saying, I give you my life. What are you going to do with it? I'm a blank canvas before you paint me like a pony. I don't know. That was super weird, but you guys understand what I'm saying. So this is my challenge for you. It's my encouragement to you. Don't buy into the lie that your life stinks, that nobody wants good things for you, that you're never going to have X, Y, Z. Believe that God has great things for you, that he sent Jesus to the cross so that you're not subject to the ways of the flesh anymore. Uh, You know, that you can come out of those patterns and we can hang up the phone on envy once and for all and just say, peace out. I don't even know you anymore. That's possible. It's probable. And I want that for you. All right. I think we've talked about this enough. Um, So don't compare take it to the Lord. You can rewind and listen to those four questions and journal those out. And I will check back in with you next week when we've got brand new content coming. Make sure you share this podcast with somebody that needs to hear it. Until next time, be blessed. So you've just listened to The Art of Being You with Rachel Wartman. I hope you enjoyed this episode of my podcast. And listen, it would mean the world to me if you would subscribe and rate or review this podcast on wherever you're listening from. Also, share it with a friend. Help me get the word out. Until next time, be blessed.